Ladies and gentlemen, all rise. Court is back in session. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Devil's Due. I am your host, Carl Duty. With me, as always, is the man who's a real American hero that's more than meets the eye. Feel his magic, hear his roar, Mr. Drew Celestino. Wow. I'm amped up, sir. I yeah, I guess you are. I'm happy about this episode. We got a lot of fun stuff going on. It's we, been a big week. It's 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 big. It is big. It's massive. It's you could almost say it's infinite. In, in, infinite. Infinite. Uh, yeah, to a degree. Although the show has to end at some point. Yes. So yes. Yeah. Here we are, sir. We are here. We are here. How are you? Opening statements. How was your week? It's been uh, what a week. So weak. What a week. I, I'm, let's not even, let's, let us not stand on ceremony here. Um, you know what happened in the, within the last seven days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marvel happened. Marvel happened in a big, Marvel gave us that good, good bad luck. way. Everything else, pfft, usual stuff, man. Uh, I'm constructing my, my basement. Uh, it's going well, by the way, uh, albeit labor intensive. Uh, we had game night on Friday. Played some good games, actually. I, I did yes. enjoy both of them. Um, we had Legacy Time Traveler. Yes, which was re- it's like a uh, tile placement, worker placement type game. You got to think backwards. Uh, yeah, you do have to think backwards. I really enjoyed that game. It was pretty cool. Um, I would approach my strategy completely differently because it took me a few turns to yeah. kind of understand. Yeah, like with any new game. Yeah, but I did enjoy that game. It was kind of cool. And then uh, what did we play after that? Uh, Subterra. Subterra, also a cool game. Um, although I think we were all a little tired, but we pushed through. Yeah. But, uh, once we got into the flow of the game again, good, cool game. Yeah. I got, I actually got a chance to play that game again the next day and it was much, not say our experience was enjoyable, but like you said, we started kind of late. We were all really tired, but I clarified a couple of the rules and it was a much more, um, enjoyable experience like the board spread out a lot better in a lot of different directions it was it was a lot of fun i I really want to get that one back on the table soon cool yeah so that was friday but uh and you know like i said saturday and sunday were uh largely devoted uh, in my case to um construction which has been kind of daunting but fun um and i also attended the uh the basset hound blast in rochester on, yeah, on saturday uh Man, Bassett on Blast is awesome. He just you're in a big place Did you and say there's it's a blast. It's a blast, yes. <laughs> and there's just Basset hounds running wild all over. Frolicking. It was awesome. And do, uh our Do pu- they play do they play the music from a Christmas story when all the hounds start going, running through the house? No. So you're hearing it in your head now. I am. But no. Um uh, our our puppy Bo got adopted, oh, so that was right. cool. Little Bo, little Bo got adopted, and um, that's good. His family's uh, taking good care of him. And uh, unfortunately, his parents didn't get adopted yet, which kind of bums me out because they're real pretty basset hounds. So yeah. I hope they get home soon because they're very very good looking dogs. Uh, we saw Joey. Much sure remember Joey the basset. Yeah. He was there. I got to see Joey again, which was super cool because I love meeting old fosters again. Yeah. Um. So that was fun. That was a good, uh, nice little day there. Um. And so, yeah, the, the the construction again has just been uh, crazy. So building some shelving down in the basement. Before you got here today, I was throwing some more in. Um, I still have to kind of figure out a way to finish this off before I go yes. to DC this weekend. Build the Coryland Studio. It's 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 happening. It's it is happening. We'll see. Just don't forget the dome that the fire bat launched. <laughs> it's gonna launch to my dining you room. Need that. <laughs> it's kind of important. 
Um, if they can launch a missile silo out of a house in weird science, we can surely find a way to launch a fire bat out of your house. They also in, created in a woman from science. nothing, a Barbie doll. Have we tried? I mean... I mean, we have no reason to because we're both happily married to excessively beautiful women. True. But, you know, anyway, it is weird science after all. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, uh, the only thing worth discussing, uh, which we're not going to do in this episode so much, uh, is Infinity War, man. Infinity we saw Infinity War. War. We saw it happen. Yeah. Uh, spoilers, we're not going to be doing that yeah, this episode. Uh, before I get to my week, just like some quick disclaimers. Uh, we have a guest this episode. Uh, we were fortunate enough that he was able to give us some time, and this is the date that he was able to do it, so we we're more than happy to have him. Um, but also, with the, the kind of magnitude that this thing has become and the stuff that has happened in the film, uh, we know there are maybe some of you who haven't seen it yet. So we are going to review Infinity War. It oh, is yeah. a bonus episode that's going to come out a little bit later this week. So we wanted to, A, give uh, the right amount of time to our guest, and B, uh, give you guys a little extra time if you haven't had a chance to go to theater see Infinity War to see that. So there will be an Infinity War review, just not this episode. It's going to come out as a bonus episode a couple days later from now. Thanos demands our silence for Thanos now. Thanos demands our silence. But we do have a great interview with uh, Dan Larson from Toy Galaxy this episode. Yes. And uh, you, guys you guys are, are really going to... Yes, it was a lot of fun, and I think you guys are going to dig it. So yep. anyway, um, Carl, I've been in I've, I've Marvel on the brain mode all week, um, more so than usual. So that's me, sir. How was your week? My week was um, busy, eventful. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I was doing the uh, the single parent thing. Julie had to travel to New York City for work. Mm. Um, God bless single parents, man. I was just... That kid's got a boundless source of energy. And you do not? No. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak and soggy and and, and gets tired very easily. Um, so yeah, but that was fun. We had William and I had some good time. Uh, Julie came home Wednesday night, a Thursday night. As you mentioned, we all went and saw infinity war Friday night. We had game night. We discussed that. Uh, Saturday was international tabletop day in which I went to Dave and Adams to partake in. Um, I met up with Alan, my friend Adam and my friend James, and we played a bunch of games. We played Subterra again, which I had mentioned. Uh, we played Azul which I want to get a copy of as soon as possible because it's a really great game. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, what else did we play? We attempted to take down Galactus. My Alan and I decided to make a, make a run at Galactus using just the Fantastic Four uh-huh. and the Silver Surfer. How'd it go? Um, his minions are cursing the day they ever went up against us. Wow. Um, him, not so much. Oh. Yeah. Here's what we discovered. Mr. Fantastic, Human Torch, Invisible Woman, really good characters. Yeah. Good support while delivering good damage. Uh, Silver Surfer and The Thing, not so much. Because I'm thinking, so I'm thinking Mr. Fantastic, Human Torch, Invisible Woman, Black Bolt, and then like uh, maybe Doctor Strange in there. And I think we got a formula there. All right. So, but yeah, his, um, we were taking down the minions left and right, but it just ultimately, it didn't, didn't work well. 
turn out in the end well for us. So, yeah. We got thumped pretty hard in the end. So, um, Sunday, well, Saturday night, uh, Julie and I actually played Sagrada together. Oh. And she loves it. So that's her. She loves playing that game. She wants to play again. And then Sunday night uh, was my niece Emma's 18th birthday party. It was just like small family gathering and broke out some Sagrada there and played it with some of their family members. And they loved it too. Drew, I'm spreading the word of board games. <laughs> the water's it's, fine, folks. Come on in. It's exploding in popularity. Yes. So. so that was our weeks, dear listeners. If you would like to tell us about your weeks, if you'd like to send in any questions to be read on the show or any comments, you can find us at the following locations. You can go find us on Twitter at Devil's Due Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Due Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Due Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find all these resources available to you on our website thedevilsdopodcast.com. And Drew, we do have some some viewer questions. All right. Bring it on. From the... Hmm. Hmm. What can I say? From the killer bees of the Devil's Do. We, we know who they are without the masks, but when they put the masks on, they get deceptive. Uh, Mr. Alan Waiters and Mr. J. Gelsimino, starting out with Mr. J. Gelsimino. Carl and Drew, if you could snap your fingers and get rid of four characters across Marvel DCU Image Comics for better or for a great storyline, who would they be? You Whoa. Can, you can eliminate four characters. Oh, wow. Um, so you're going to eliminate Deadpool. He's gone. Uh, Red Hood, gone. Oh. Um, well, Jason Todd, run it. Yes, yes, yes. Jason Todd will he will go back to the grave where he belongs. Um, this is tough. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't prepared for this. Let's. Uh, we're going to put. Boy, this is really. This is something. You got four because I only got. Let me ponder. I'm. I'm going to. Um, get rid of Gwenpool. I'm going to get rid of Spider Gwen. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I was, you know, I guess what, I, I can't, I can't get rid of Harley Quinn because I'd be getting rid I, of I, her for what she's become, not what I, she was. Yeah, and yeah. What she was was pretty great. I get where you're coming from. Um, oh man, I don't know. Yeah, I have four characters. I don't. I'm gonna mm. get rid. You know what? I'm gonna get rid of Spawn. Okay. okay uh, uh, I I was sticking sticking mainly to Marvel and DC, but okay. Well, you said Image as well. Oh, yeah, Image is is it's it's different. Um, hmm. Man, this is really really it's really hard. Dead air is dead. Yeah. I got nothing, man. I got those two off the top of my head. Other than that, I think we can we can I can live with most other ones. Um although 
trying to think if there's any Captain America villains that, that annoyed me to, to no end. I'd rather not have seen anymore. But no, no, there's really not. What about the writer? What's his What's his name? Rick Remender? Yeah. yeah. We can get rid of him. <laughs> oh, dude, give me a li- You want me to snap my fingers and some writers? I can do that off the top of my head. Easily. Anyway. All right. So moving on Couldn't to- Couldn't get the four. I'm sorry. Moving on to a question for you. Okay. If you were the Sorcerer Supreme, would you use the Time Stone to go back to our time in Long Beach? And I am not going to read the rest of the question because it goes into an area that I've said that I would not read anymore. Because, okay, I'm making an official declaration. I'm wearing the Infinity Gauntlet. I'm closing my fist. Jay, if you ask that question again. Jay's getting snapped, finger snapped off the show. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to read the question at all. I might not read any of your questions. That you oh, you'll read them. Just maybe not on the air. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be grounded from the show. You won't be banned because I'm merciful. But you'll be grounded. Wow. Wow. So, I, I would like to go back in time too, Jay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just at this point, he's kind of beating a dead horse. We love you, Jay. Let, let the horse die. Carl, what movie do you feel deserves its own video game? What movie do you feel deserves its own video game the most, and how would you structure it? Fried Green Tomatoes? White Men Can't Jump? Sidekicks? Or Mac and Me? Oh, Mac and Me. You know what? I would do Mac and Me, and I would structure it just like the Atari ET game. <laughs> so the ripoff is complete. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's Perfect. gotta come full circle. So all right, Jay, thank you very much for your questions. Um a kid about the whole grounding you from the show. We love you. I mean, I'm still gonna ground you from the show if you send in that question again, but you're just yeah. encouraging him, you know that. Well, I mean, if he wants to if he wants to call down the thunder <laughs> All right. All, all right, right, so now moving on to Mr. Alan Waiters, Carl and Drew. Hey, what is the correct correct pronunciation of symbiote? Sy- you you, you just it, said it, Carl. Yeah. yeah, is it like symbiote yep. or symbiote? Well, as said in the Spider-Man series and the animated series in 1994. I, I don't care either way. You know what it's not, though? Symbiote. That's that's true. It's not that. Yeah. I know that. I, for all the things people have bumped up against from, from that trailer, that's the one that I just didn't bother me oh, that it, much. Oh, it hit me in the face. I don't know why. Right. It just irked, it just yeah, irked I, me. It just didn't, like, I get it. Little it's, things like that, dude. But see, it's those little things like that that give people, that make people look at these movies that are not made by Marvel and go, you don't get it. You don't get it. You just don't get it. I know it's a minor detail, but that's the kind of thing you can't screw up because it just puts that little kink in the armor that makes us go, yeah, no. Yeah. So, anyway. I get you. All right, Carl. Which fictional place would you want to visit the most? Adelan, the Savage Land, Atlantis, Asgard, Metropolis, or Gotham City? Um, I definitely don't want to go to Gotham City uh, because I'm not Batman, so I will probably end up dead. Um, I'd have to say probably Asgard. All right. The the feasts and the, the mead and... It's a pretty cool place. Yeah. I mean, of those choices, my first would probably be Asgard. Second would probably be Atlantis. Um, I don't, I'm not a good swimmer, so I don't, I don't think I'd like Atlantis too much. And, uh, Metropolis and Adelan. I'm not going near Gotham City or, or the Savage Land. No, no. That, bad yeah. things happen in those places. 
Yeah. Fair Cause, enough. Because when in Savage Land, when you're looking straight ahead, that's when the attack comes. Not from the front, but from the side. From the two raptors you didn't even know were there. Wow. Clever girl. Drew. Yeah. When Marvel launches Phase 4, who will be the main heroes to lead the cinematic universe? You know, I think we're going to save this one for our Infinity War discussion. Yeah, don't don't worry. We're going to we're going to talk about all that business in the Infinity War discussion because where we go from here is very much the question yes. at hand. Where do we go? Where do we go now? Also, there's a bonus question for you. Ooh, I like bonus questions. Also, if you and Jay were in a symbiotic relationship, who would be the host and who would be the symbiote? Wait, say again. <laughs> If you and Jay were in a symbiotic relationship, yeah. who would be the host and who would be the symbiote? I think I'm the um I'm I'm the bad influence, so I'm yeah. I'm the symbiote. Yeah. I can I can hear you be like <laughs> and Jay said, hey, we'll, we'll just kill the bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Jay, j- drink all the beers. Drink all the beers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the potential. Just, just start with one. Okay, now have another one. <laughs> I want more, Jay. Want Give more. me more. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you were a symbiote, you wouldn't be able to go to rock concerts. Why not? Sonics. Oh. That's true. What about earplugs? I mean, there's got to be some way. Yeah, put an earplug on your body? What if he put me in some kind of foam apparatus that's like an earplug, but for me? And what's Jay supposed to do? Go to a concert naked? He'll wear clothing, but he'll just he'll, he'll I'll be in his pocket. I don't think you're thinking that through, but sure, why not? Okay, <laughs> we'll go from there. All right, Jay and Alan, thank you very much for your questions, as always. Now, oh, Drew, it's for granted from Thursday. It's been a breakneck pace since Infinity's War Infinity War's release, but just today alone. The stuff that, at least on my behalf, I've been bombarded with about different things that we like, different things we're passionate about, news coming out on those, has been kind of crazy. Um, but we'll start as we go into our, our news, our open up the case files for the week. As we start, we're going to state the obvious. Uh, Drew, Avengers made some money. That's that, that's That's one way to put it. Yeah. Um, and our way to put it would be to say Avengers made all the monies. Yeah, that's a that's a much better way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Largest yeah. officially largest opening in movie history. Mm-hmm. Um, almost half a billion domestically, or not domestic, uh, worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. That's in the, bananas. In the first couple days. And uh, do you know what it almost made in those first couple days? Now that you say that. What's in those first couple days, it made almost as much as Justice League made in its entire <laughs> theatrical run. Any opportunity to jump up and down. I'm just stating the obvious. I know, I know. Oh, we'll be talking a little bit about that in yeah. our review. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, the odds of this film being the first to hit $1 billion domestically are currently pretty good. Do you think that it will have legs to do so? That's the question. Because, because you have to have rewatchability. I think it has it, personally. But I think that's it does, getting too. Into I want to go back for another 
another ride. Um, Without getting too deep into it, I I I, I want to see it again. Yeah, because there's <laughs> so much to take in. So yeah, all right. Moving on, but staying within the same wheelhouse, Drew. Today we got a new trailer for Ant Man and the Wasp. Now I was surprised that Marvel would drop a new trailer like this so soon after Infinity War. You would think they'd want kind of like all the focus to be on Infinity War right now. It and and it is like you don't you don't have an, an opening like that and and the acclaim and the and the discussion and all the Infinity War is in no danger of being uh, obviously uh, overshadowed. Yeah. Despite um the large shadow that giant man can cast. <laughs> 65 foot. Shadow. Oh, we'll think we'll get to that in a moment. I I don't think they have to worry about it. Infinity War is not going anywhere. But for anyone that was maybe concerned that the uh, things got a little too real, realsies, a little too little too heavy-handed yeah. with Infinity War. Here's here's Ant-Man and Wasp. Michael Peña. Oh. <laughs> uh, that trailer dude was awesome. It's I can't I I can't wait for it. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to say, but that looks so cool. It really does. It looks a, so cool. Like I have no idea who this villain is, but they look interesting and uh it's it, He's Giant Man in the trailer a lot. And it's so he's riding a truck like a skateboard. Like a scooter. And he kicks he kicks a car. He kicks a car. Then he's then he, he he stands up in the in San Francisco Bay and he picks up a boat. Yeah, and we see our first shots of Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne looks like he's having fun in a comic book movie. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you think the Marvel guy just took him in, wrapped the blanket yeah. around him? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's warm. You want some cocoa? And and there's color here. <laughs> you want some cocoa? Have some cocoa. You can have as many marshmallows as you want. All the marshmallows. <laughs> so but yeah, he's playing uh, Bill Foster. As we know, he's Goliath. Yeah, they name they drop, name drop they Goliath. They name drop Goliath. Um, yeah, this one looks like it's going to be insanely fun. Um, yeah, just craziness. Uh, what else was it? I mean, Michael Pena again. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be lighthearted. It's gonna have that that kind of tone and take to it. Um, will be interesting to find out when this film happens chronologically with Infinity War. It's got to be beforehand, obviously. Although, if I'm if I'm betting, if I'm laying money, I will say I will I would bet that maybe the end of this film ties into the end of Infinity War. Mm. But the thing that happens just as a reminder, at the end happens a little bit here. I could see that. Just the, just just Marvel's way of saying like we didn't totally forget. Yeah. Glad you had fun, but yeah. we got to get oh, back by to by the way. Yeah. We got to get back to this over here next in in next summer. So Yep. Yeah. Oh boy! All right. Um, okay, Drew. So another big thing dropped today. Oh, much more central to me than to you. Oh, okay. I didn't mention it because because uh, I knew your reaction was going to be amusing. Mm. Um, true. <laughs> X Wing Two was announced today. Was it now? Yeah. So hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang <laughs> on. You just got the biggest. Hold on. Okay. 
How cynical am I? Very. <laughs> Can you use your 1.0 ships in 2.0? Yes. Oh, yes. they, okay. There's well, a slight caveat. It is fully backwards compatible. There's like okay. a caveat to it. All okay. right. So, so they um, didn't do it. They, okay. Then, then full marks to them because being Star Wars and being a yeah, money-making you, endeavor, I would have thought... They're just going to throw caution to the wind and say, here's 2.0. By the way, it's only 2.0. You can't use your old stuff. If, Buy all the new things. If they had done that. Yeah. You would have bought all the new things. It would have killed the game. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm of the opinion if they had come out with X-Wing 2.0 and said they're all new models, you cannot use any of your old stuff, it would have killed the game. And they're smart enough to know that because I would not have gone forward with it. Um, so it's in the, in, you know, obviously being the big video game fans, we are, we are very accustomed to sequels. A game is successful and you anticipate there will be a sequel at one point or another with board games. It's kind of different though. Board games, tabletop games. Um, sometimes there are sequels in board games. Um, but a lot of times there are second editions right? to which they go back and kind of retool some of the gameplay. Um, a lot of times with second, second editions, if there were expansion packs for the board game, they're included in the second edition. Um, with this, they are retooling a lot of the gameplay. They are fixing a lot of things that needed fixing because the initial design of the game was locked into certain parameters at the game's launch. And as the game kind of grew, the game originally came out in 2012. As the game grew from there, gameplay changed. And as gameplay and, uh, you know, the meta game, whether it be competitive or casual changed, some ships kind of got left behind. Mm. One of those ships was the classic, what's known as the T-65 X-Wing, the X-Wing that we know from the classic trilogy of films. Um, that ship was not very viable for competitive play anymore. You couldn't, it just didn't have the tools to be a major threat on the table. Um, and the ship to make it a major threat would be very expensive. And you could do the same things and more for cheaper with different ships. What they're doing with X-Wing 2.0 is that ships and upgrades do not have point values printed on them. So now they can, a lot of your squad building is going to be done through an app so that they can make adjustments to the point costs to fix the game. If something gets like too overpowered, they can adjust it for balance reasons. Hmm. This is mostly for like the competitive side on the casual side. You could just approach it as you want. Um, there. And here's, here's how all the other stuff stays relevant. When you buy an X wing expansion ship, you get the model, you get the stand. There's a, a piece of cardboard that goes on the stand that identifies the ship and the pilot that comes with the ship. And some of the ship stats are on the cardboard. Then you have your, your pilot cards and your upgrade cards. And those are the ones that have the printed point value that come with the ship. What they're going to do is when 2.0 comes out, there is a new core set uh, that is like kind of common when they do something like this. And then they are going to have what are kind of retrofit kits 
for the other factions. So there's going to be one for Imperials, one for Rebels, and one for Scum and Villainy. Because not everybody who plays the game buys all the ships. Some people just right, right, buy right, their right. Imperial ships whatnot. And these kits will have the new cards, the new cardboard, the new maneuver dials, everything for all the previous ships that came out before. Wow. All right. All right. So all all the models you bought are still valid. Um, the kits do cost. Yeah. They're 50 bucks a pop. Ooh. That is expensive, but 50 bucks a pop compared to buying all those ships over again. That's yeah, that's fair. That's I I get you. Now, yeah. so there's going to be new ships coming out in 2.0, I take it, right? All new ones and they're they're reissuing because it's considered an entry point for new players. Okay. They're going to be reissuing uh, ships that have already been released with some slight tweaks. Okay. Like, for example, the T-65 X-Wing, they just recently came out with a fix for it. And one of the fix was a modification card that indicates what the ship can do when the S-foils are closed and what the ship can do when the S-foils are opened. And there's a new model coming out in which the S-foils physically open and close. Wow. <laughs> there's there's a new, there's kind of a better sculpted Y-wing coming out. Okay. So, but you don't have to buy those because your old Y-wing and X-wing are just as valid. Will people still play the OG? Or is it like 2.0 is kind of, because of tournament play, 2.0 because is going to be the new... 2.0 will be the new standard for tournaments, but I'm sure there will still be like, you know, just like in the fighting game community, when you go to a big fighting game tournament... The old games are still there. Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. still like, you know, Street Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Heck, there's still like Ultra Street Fighter 4 tournaments going on. Um, so yeah, I, I feel that depending on the community, you will have... Um, support for the original version. Uh, Fantasy Flight is doing more f- to help foster the competitive community. They're doing more options as like far as the apps for organizing tournament, offering different prizes. There's going to be like prizes for like if you want to do theme tournaments. Like this tournament is this tournament is going to be classic trilogy themed you can only use ships that were out in the classic trilogy so none of the sequel trilogy stuff oh also and this is really interesting the within the rebel faction you had rebel and then after the new films coming out you had resistance as like a sub faction yeah they're splitting the resistance and the first order off into their own factions okay so that's going to be uh pretty interesting so all this comes out in september um, I'm really excited for the changes they're making and new things they're doing. Um, it's kind of not totally, but kind of going to put people kind of back on even ground playing wise. Cause now everyone kind of has to relearn the game. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Should, uh, good luck with all that. Yeah. Yeah. I told the wife today. Yeah. How'd, how'd she react? She, she was not as thrilled as I was. I, I'm sure. Say. Just, just sit her down in front of Splatoon 2 and then, yeah, then run away. Yeah, because like 40 bucks for the core set, <laughs> 50 bucks for each mm. each retro kit set. 
And I'm like, yeah, I can't not get the new X-Wing. It's got the as foils that open and close, Drew. Come on. They're not made of stone. I the Y-Wing's a new skull. It looks cooler. I mean, you're, you're making sense to me. See? I, I don't know. Have fun. Have a good time. I will. All right. All right, folks. Uh, there's nothing else I can think of as far as news goes. Nope. Um, I'm. I'm again. I've been very busy and kind of uh, detached from the news, air quotes. But um, that's all I can think of. All right. Cool. Uh, let's get on to our interview now. This was recorded earlier with Mr. Dan Larson from Toy Galaxy. Okay, folks, as we mentioned earlier, we have a very special guest in the courthouse this week. For those of you who are listening to our show in the past, you know that Drew and I uh, had the enormous blessing of being able to grow up in the 80s and be part of the 80s toy boom. Um, You know Drew's burning hatred for the fact that I was somewhat spoiled as a child and had many, many toys, many of which he did not have of note, the USS flag. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, man. We've had this discussion. Uh, So this guest speaks very much to that history between us. Um, If you are familiar with the channel Toy Galaxy on YouTube, we have its host, Mr. Dan Larson. Dan, welcome to The Devil's Due. Thank you very much. Welcome welcome to uh, the show. I, I'm welcoming you to your own show here. <laughs> glad, glad, <laughs> glad to have you on today, guys. Oh, it's great to be here. We're so happy to be here. Um, we, are, we are exceedingly happy that you are here with us. Um, I discovered uh, Toy Galaxy not too long ago. I can't even remember what I was searching for on YouTube. And Drew is a huge G.I. Joe fan. Yes. And I think it was probably one of your top 10 lists of either like top 10 uh, worst G.I. Joe figures or top 10 worst G.I. Joe vehicles. And I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole from there. So that's how I discovered your channel. Um but give us this being somewhat of a comics oriented show. Uh, give us your your issue one. Give us your origin for yourself and Toy Galaxy. Well, I'm a lifelong collector. Uh, like you, I grew up uh, in the '80s uh, and uh, all that stuff. GI Joe, Transformers, GoBots, uh, you name it. I had at least one or you know a handful of figures from every line there. Uh, just just that generation that uh, grew up with those cartoons and that constant media presence of all that pop culture stuff that just won't go away <laughs> now in the year 2018 we're still mining uh for movies and tv shows and all the other stuff uh so after having collected forever reading comic books playing video games all that stuff um uh my very good friend uh, greg and i uh three years ago decided to start a youtube channel and i was just you know this vault of trivia and action figures and toys and stuff and he wanted to just make uh, films. He wanted to make videos. He wanted to edit. He wanted to cut stuff. He wanted to run a YouTube channel. Uh, and so it was just a it was a natural partnership between the two of us, where my love for the stuff and wanting to talk about it and tell jokes and have fun with it, and his uh, just wanting to make things, you know, make videos and post them on YouTube. That it just worked out perfectly. I do the research. I do the writing. I host the show. He puts it all together and makes sure that uh, people can find it and that it looks great. <laughs> So I take it that's Greg behind the camera and all the uh, segments where you are laughing to someone off screen. Exactly, exactly. He's, <laughs> he's standing. He's standing right next to the camera, making sure that the uh, that the teleprompter doesn't get too far ahead of me. <laughs> 
the uh, this one of the things that really uh, hooked me into your show is just not only the production quality, which is obvious to anyone who's watched it, but it's also the kind of the hook you put on it at the end, and the whole you know if you see one, get it. If you leave, if you see two, leave one for another collector. And I think that's a really cool philosophy to have, especially when you approach a collecting standpoint that that's usually not, you know, an approach people take. They're like, Oh, I see three. I'm going to buy three, keep one, sell two for outrageously inflated prices on eBay. Well, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we were looking for, uh, we're looking for things early on that we could do that, that would both speak to the, the sort of collector audience, but also be different from what other, uh, channels or blogs or anything else we're doing. You know, a lot of it, uh, a lot of it starts to look the same. A lot, you know, there's one one channel develops a successful formula, and you see a lot of sort of clones of it, and everybody's sort of doing the same thing. And there's a very sort of low barrier to entry there, right? You just sort of copy what the other people are doing. So we wanted to to come at it from a different perspective and offer a different sort of attitude towards the collecting thing, where it wasn't this sort of you know, selfish, get it all, you know, forget the other guy. Don't worry about that. It was like, you know, we, we all encountered the same stuff. <laughs> you know, we're all trying to get that one figure. Uh, that, that for us was sort of a way to speak to that person who was feeling that same thing every time they tried to go buy something. It was always gone. You know, just, yeah, if you see one, buy it. And, you know, just plant that seed and think about it next time you're there. If there are two, maybe you leave one this time. And, you know, maybe everybody's a little bit happier in this whole collecting thing. Everybody seems so miserable all the time. It's toys. <laughs> Have some fun. <laughs> uh, in 2018, we need more more happy. Exactly. Definitely. Exactly. So the um, you've got, di- like, within your channel, you have different, for lack of a better term, shows. Uh, did that kind of evolve naturally or did you kind of approach that from the outset? Yeah, that was definitely something that, uh, Greg wanted to do, uh, from the beginning was this idea that, you know, there would be this umbrella channel called toy galaxy, but within toy galaxy, there would be different shows on that channel. Uh, and we would, we would intentionally break it up into a series of segments. And, uh, originally the idea was to have them on a rotation. You know, the first Tuesday would be this and you could expect every month, the first Tuesday would be this, the next Tuesday would be this, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. Uh, you know, initially we didn't know how many episodes we were going to do per week. We started with just one. It very quickly became two and now it's three. Um, and probably gonna, probably gonna draw the line there. That's that's dedication. (laughs) Yeah, it starts to, uh, it starts to snowball and, and you, you start to see, uh, you know, the, the returns sort of plateau. You don't add, you know, there's no guarantee that every time you add another post that you're going to increase, you know, exponentially, uh, the amount of views or likes or subscribers or anything that you get. So we sort of, we hit that three shows a week and that worked for our production schedule. We just kind of drew the line there, but yeah, it was always uh, the intent to have, to be able to move around. You know, we didn't want to get stuck in just like, Nope, we're doing another video. Just queue up the exact same template we used last time, you know? Uh, and, and we're always trying to find more new ways to, to communicate this information, you know, again, every show is just about here's a toy or here's a toy line or here's a show that's about a toy or a toy line and just trying to present it in a different way, you know, different ways that, you know, you, you Drew, you might connect to one particular kind of presentation, Carl, you might connect to a different presentation. Some people really like the history of some people prefer the four minutes or less. And ultimately, we can bring in both of those types of viewers. So there's a very you have a very distinct uh, sense of humor that comes through in both the scripting and the editing. 
Um, it also speaks to production quality is like how many, how often would you say the moments are unscripted moments of creativity or how many do you kind of look at before you start shooting? So, okay, we're going to do this kind of joke here and cut it this way. Uh, I, uh, it's funny, you know, if, if we actually had more, more time to do, uh, pre-production, uh, there would be, I think it would be an even more sort of elaborate, uh, setup for, you know, the entertainment, the comedy, the way it works right now is, uh, we, you know, producer Greg and I will discuss, okay, what, you know, what do we, what do we want to shoot this week? Okay. We're going to shoot this, you know, vision action figure, whatever. And so that's where he sort of walks away from it. And then it's, it's left to me to figure everything out from there on. So I will go and write a script and, you know, uh, o- over the course of the three years that the, the tone sort of developed, um, I know I'm writing for myself. I'm the person that's going to be performing the script and reading it in front of the teleprompter so I can write it in my own voice. That's, you know, I, that's the voice I know best. Um, and so I will intentionally try to put, you know, scripted jokes in there. But then uh, when, it, when the night that we shoot rolls around, uh, we'll do a read through. And there will be some spontaneous moments that come out of that. You know, my, my primary goal at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, is to make Greg laugh. Uh, he's, he's, my live <laughs> he, he's my live audience. It's, I'm sure it works the same for you guys. You know, yeah. you, you're hoping that other people will listen. <laughs> but we, we ultimately, know to push. Exactly. And you're in the room with each other. And that's who you got a key off of. So, you know, when it's just Greg and I, I'm trying to make him laugh. So then... You know, we shoot the thing and sometimes the uh, additional spontaneous things will happen. You know, I write the script. We'll, we'll do a read through and some spontaneous things happen there that I'll try to re spontaneous, you know, <laughs> while we're shooting it, try to make it try to act like it was a spontaneous thing. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. We have to cut it. Uh, other times, just actual spontaneous things will happen. I'll be reading the script, and now that I've read it through four or five times, you know, I'll think of something that I hadn't thought of before. Or with Greg standing there, there'll be something else that'll just you know occur to me, and that's you know that's where I might just look off and say something. And I think you know if you've seen multiple episodes, you you can start to pick up on you know just just in terms of my own personal performance, what are the things that are that I am acting surprised at that's part of the script versus the things that actually hit me as a real, you know, spontaneous sort of surprise. Uh, and then he he Greg will do the same thing. You know, we'll shoot the the footage. He then takes it home and he will edit the videos together. And his main goal is to try to make me laugh <laughs> at the end of the day. So whenever you see like any of the cut-ins, the pictures, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Photoshop images, the the text that pops up on screen, the musical cues, all that stuff, fart noises, whatever, that's him. I, I don't see that stuff until the video is actually up. Uh, so I'm watching it new just the same way you might. So, you know, it's, it's this game of I got to try to make him laugh. He's got to try to make me laugh. And then we're hoping that when we put that out in front of everybody else, you guys laugh too. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I, I like the fact that you leave in some of the ad libs and some of the the uh, the fumbles, if you will, and Absolutely. They, they're edited. <laughs> but but Greg apparently edits them in such a way where they they become that much more entertaining. So that's exactly. Cool. Well, well, if you go back, if you dig back far enough in uh, in the archive, um, there are four or five uh, outtake episodes. And initially, we were doing you know we would shoot the episodes, and there'd be some outtakes, and then. As one of those extra videos each week, he might throw out uh, a little, you know, outtakes reel. And those were funny and whatever, and they were nice. But what, what ended up happening was that we were shooting so frequently 
and we were getting so comfortable with the whole process that we there weren't that many more outtakes. You know, we didn't have enough outtakes for him to actually cut together outtake shows, and so he just started leaving in a few outtakes here and there where they fit. You know, where they where he thought they fit uh, in terms of the humor and the entertainment uh, of just leaving that in, and it ended up being a great decision, and it has become part of the you know the the personality of the channel. Was there because when when we started <clears throat> when we started the show and I I approached Drew Drew about it, I had said to him that the show had to be family friendly, and he kind of bumped up hard against that because he had a previous show that eh, a little more blue in the language shall we say a little. <laughs> um, was there and and your show and your channel is definitely family friendly and PG. Was that was that a conscience decision or just kind of the way it fell out? A uh, little, little bit of both there. Uh, before we did uh, the channel, uh, I spent you know my my education is in illustration and drawing, and uh, I was I was all set to be a you know professional comic book artist drawing Punisher for Marvel uh, growing up, um, but uh, that just didn't work out. I I ended up doing a lot of self published comics work. Uh, writing and drawing my own stuff, daily comic strips. Uh, yeah, you know, I had the whole website, uh, and my goal uh, in that creative endeavor was always to try to reach the largest audience possible. At the end of the day, it's a financial thing, and you want to make money. So I was always trying to appeal to the largest audience possible. Uh, so I would intentionally, you know, uh, self-censor uh, in terms of language, in terms of content, all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I would get teased by my friends, you know, like, oh, Dan always has to make stuff that his mom can read. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I would like her to be able to I would like her to be proud of me. You know, I would like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to be embarrassed about, you know, the stuff that I'm producing. Exactly. And that's just me. And I, and I don't I don't judge anybody else who makes that decision any differently. Uh, there are lots of very talented people who I'm sure their moms are proud of whatever they're doing. Uh, because they're happy and successful and whatever. But when it came time to do the channel, uh, it was that same sort of thing. We were looking at YouTube and how YouTube works and what the algorithms and the metrics and all that stuff is and said, you know, we can either limit ourselves to an audience uh, dropping F-bombs all the time and, you know, talking, you know, just uh, about adult things, or we can make sure that our videos can show up, you know... (laughs) There's a lot of kids that are watching YouTube, you know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, and there's a lot of and, you know, advertisers want to put uh, their, their products in front of them. And so we said, yeah, we want to make sure we can appeal to everybody and we don't want to get flagged for language or content or any of that stuff. Uh, so it was it was partially on my part, sort of an insistence of saying, like, I would really prefer to be in this PGG sort of range. And then on the other side of it, Greg, you know, sort of looking at the business and saying, I think it's the right business move. All right. See, Drew? It works. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think he just won some even further extra points with Drew saying he drew the Punisher because Drew's <laughs> I'm a huge a, Yes, we are a Daredevil show, but the Punisher is uh, my other favorite uh, character in the Marvel pantheon. And, and and since I haven't listened to the full breakdown of uh, the Punisher episodes, uh, I'm going to assume you've liked you've the the presentation of the Punisher on Netflix. Well, yes and no. Is that, uh, a, is that a rabbit hole we don't need to go down right no, now? No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm happy to dive. Uh, <laughs> it's mostly good. I'm just, I'm a big fan of the uh, very uh, intent and clear directive version written by Garth Ennis. And I felt like the show kind of softened that quite a bit. We we felt ultimately the the show had had a lot of good moments and... 
a lot of the changes they made to the character were kind of necessary to introduce the character to a new viewing audience. But at our hearts, we'd kind of hoped that they would steered more towards the uh, uh, com- more comic centric version. But at the same time, I mean, and this, this is more me than Drew. I understand that like that version isn't necessarily an appealing protagonist to a mass audience. So yeah, what- it's, it's a tough character for them to, to handle right now, uh, politically, you know, with uh, society where it is yeah. right now and all the gun violence and whatever. So, uh, I'm a, a, I'm just shocked that it is even, it exists <laughs> Yeah, in, in any form. No, I'm, I'm happy it exists. I'm still waiting for that perfect, uh, off the page yeah. Garth Ennis, uh, um, Louis LaRosa, Goran Parlov Punisher to show up. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But so, what, anyway, what were your takes on the series? I loved it. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. And and it's hard, you know, you know, you spend so much of your, your, your life dreaming about like, uh, and it's a silly thing, whatever it's entertainment, it's pop culture, but you, you, you dream about like, you know, when Jim Lee was back working on Punisher war journal and yeah. you know, uh, back in the day you, you're reading this stuff and you're thinking, man, you know, what would a TV show be like? What would a movie be like? And you know, this Dolph Lundgren thing comes out and you're like, I don't know what that is, but I'm not, uh, that's not the Punisher. And you know, the chomp Thomas Jane and Warzone, And you're like, ah, this is interesting. That's got some good stuff, but, but you never, you still, you just never expect to actually see it happen. So when the, when the Netflix version came out, it was, it was believable enough for me and, you know, quote unquote, real enough for me. And I, I bought into uh, 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 John Bernthal's performance and the world that the Daredevil season one, you know, had already created. It just it just brought me all in. And I was like, well, maybe this isn't uh, the the perfect version of Jim Lee's, you know, whatever Punisher or Will's Portacios. But I'm I'm in this world. And that guy makes sense to me, and I'm really enjoying this. And that's that's pretty much just what I took from it. Cool, cool, cool. All right, let's talk some toys. Now, <laughs> we're going to kind of jump all over the place here. One place I do want to start out has been the aforementioned point of contention uh, between me and Drew in that I had a USS flag, and he did not. And I have said to Drew numerous times that, yes, I had one, but ultimately it maybe this is kind of a hot take and it's not intended to be ultimately it wasn't that great a toy because you didn't so much play with it you kind of played around it (laughs) that's that's the that's the real revelation about that thing you know uh 25 years later is uh is that it was just a table (laughs) it really was (laughs) it was just a big plastic table like you could we i put we had it set up on a little kiddie pool table and that's that is where it stayed until until the day it was disassembled and given away to someone else. I actually funny story. I actually had a friend of mine lived down the street also had one and Man, he what neighborhood did you live in? Listen, dude, we have covered this. <laughs> I was I was a spoiled brat when I was a kid uh-huh. and I lived in an upper scale neighborhood. It's not the case anymore and I'm kind of glad because spoiling your kids is a terrible idea. Um, there was a kid who lived down the street from me who also had one and he decided one day to take his and his pool. His logic was all the GI Joe boat toys up to this point have floated. This should float. And as you, I'm sure you can assume it turned into a scene from Pearl Harbor. Well, see, that's the thing is I, I don't think most people realize, uh, because like you just said, you, you, you think it's another boat toy. 
uh, like any other boat toy. But I, you know, I, I was able to actually assemble one uh, not too long ago. Um, I, I was able to purchase one uh, probably about three years ago, I think it was, maybe four years ago. Uh, it, it complete might have been missing like a deck clip or something. And uh, as I'm assembling it, it's like this isn't this isn't a, a, a watertight thing. You know, it's no. like the, the, the hull of the boat isn't even it does. It's not even a complete it's, boat. It's not a hull. <laughs> it's, it's just it's, like, a yeah, it's literally structure. like, yeah, exactly. It's like eight bracer frame parts and then it, literally a long strip of plastic that just wraps around the side around one side. <laughs> so it's just an illusion. It's an optical illusion of a boat, but it really is just a table. Uh, beyond anything else. And that's the first thing that hits you is just the sheer size of the thing. Like I remember, you know, just three, four years ago, pulling out the deck uh, plates, you know, the, the deck parts and laying them out on the carpet and just being like, my goodness, this thing is enormous. And then assembling it and going, my goodness, this isn't a boat. (laughs) This isn't going to float. There's no way, Uh, you know, we're not going to need a bigger boat. It's you can't you can't put it in water because it's not designed to be a floating thing. It's just yeah. designed to support those deck pieces and the tower, you know. So and, and when I look and when I look at it now through you know adult eyes, I say, man, that is that is a clever way to build that thing to design it to be able to say you built this boat, you know, just make a table. <laughs> sell 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 people seven <laughs> feet worth of, of plastic. You know, they were training kids at a young age to uh, prepare for a life as adults with IKEA. It really is. That's what it is. That's all it is. And now I look at it and say, how do I make that actually into a table that I can use? You know, how do I <laughs> yeah. how do I mount those deck pieces to the wall and put bookshelves underneath it? You know, well, I guess there's like I saw there are a couple of videos on YouTube. Someone actually designed an undercarriage to it that makes it yep. more functional, like yep, under yep. deck storage and whatnot and lighting. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, it makes it a bit taller. You can store some vehicles and stuff on there. I, I've seen people who built bases that have like you know wheels on the bottom of it, so you can actually make the thing you know pull it out, put it, get it out of the way if you need to. Uh, and there's a there's a picture that makes the rounds every once in a while on Instagram or you know the Facebook or whatever. Uh, and uh, the the kid's dad basically took the deck pieces and affixed them to like insulation foam. Uh, just like big pieces of insulation foam. And then at that point, you could actually put it in the water. So it's, oh, a picture, awesome. it's a picture of the flag with the tower and there's a sky striker on it and it's floating in the pool. And it it doesn't help because people already think that's what it can do. You know, and they're like, oh, my yeah. gosh. Now, and it's like, no, 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 no. You got to be clear. That's on foam. Like yeah. they, they he took the extra step, built, mounted it on the foam and floated it in the pool great dad <laughs> that's a, that is a great dad right there but uh it's that you couldn't actually do that so i i shudder to ask what is what is a uss flag fetching nowadays on the collector's market you know it's come way down uh really? five six five six years ago it was pushing fifteen hundred two thousand dollars but you you can you could get the problem is you can't ship it uh, you can't. No, nobody wants to pay the shipping cost. Ah. So if you're going to eBay or Amazon or something or even Facebook, you, you're probably going to want to find a local seller so you can just go pick it up because, it, or, or you're going to want to just build it piece by piece. You know, like buy the deck parts from one person, buy the supports from somebody else, and then slowly start to fill in the more expensive pieces. Um, I, I'm pretty sure the last time I checked, you could get a complete one for like a, a grand or less. You know, like seven hundred fifty, eight hundred bucks. Still, which is wait, which is still, it's, 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 yeah, it's not the cheapest thing <laughs> you could a buy. A far cry from the original, I think it was like a $110 sticker. Yeah, it was right around there. 
Madden. But in today's in today's money, that would be like two fifty three hundred bucks, yeah, right? Easily. Something like that. Easily. That's crazy. So sticking in the uh, the realm of GI Joe. Uh, Drew, is there anything Joe yeah, topics? Well, no, I, I guess uh, we're kind of in a Joe-less time right now. And I know you you had a video up recently about this topic. And I'm wondering, uh, do you think G.I. Joe's going to resurface in the toy world? Oh, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. I mean, it's a matter of time, really? Or Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I, I really think they've just been stuck. I, I just think they're in the on-deck circle while Hasbro tries to figure out what this whole shared universe thing is that they're trying to, you know, they've been talking about it for years. Yeah. Transformers, Micronauts, Mask, who knows, whatever. And I think they, there's, there's a, I think they could get a team to do it and get that movie out in theaters within a year if, if they weren't stuck in the product pre-production process of all this other nonsense. Do you think it's a good idea that they pursue the whole interconnected thing? I would prefer not. No. Okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Cause I know it's as a kid, you know, it's, it was an interesting idea as a kid to have GI Joe and transformers that occasional crossover, but now it's like, no, no, I like my Joe's over here and I like my transformers way over here and never the twain shall meet if we can avoid it's, it. <laughs> it's far too limiting. You know, I mean, yeah, I guess you can, you can make the argument and they've the, you know, the IDW comics have really tried to sort of show that the, you know, GI Joe and transformers and the hybrid in the middle is mask. You know, it, it all makes sense in terms of explaining how the technologies can coexist with each other. Uh, sure. That's fine. But it's very limiting from a storytelling perspective. You know, you, you then end up with all three universes constrained by that one universe and trying to make sure that that all is taking place in the same place. So if something is happening in New York in one universe, it's got to be happening in New York for the all for all the universes yeah. instead of just letting GI Joe go do whatever GI you know maybe the best GI Joe story that can be told right now is set in the Vietnam era you know do we need transformers in the Vietnam era might be a cool story but let's just let's just stick with the GI Joe stuff you know let mask go do whatever mask needs to do to tell its story of you know creation and how those machines work and if that doesn't jibe with what transformers is fine <laughs> let's let's just have three successful franchises instead of one that's you know just just too complicated. You know, I, I love what Marvel has done, obviously. Uh, I love that DC's trying, uh, but it makes sense for those. You know, it's it's not like you're trying to merge, you know, the Marvel Universe with the NFL. You know, just, <laughs> <laughs> just keep wow. these separate things separate. Although G.I. Joe did merge with the NFL on some it's level. It's true. It's true. Uh, Captain Gridiron and Marvel also. Well, with, and Marvel uh, NFL had Super Pro. Pro. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, just... I had a 90s flashback. <laughs> Not a good one either. So, okay, interesting question. So you said that, you know, you feel that G.I. Joe is on deck. Uh, toy lines today are extreme. Toy lines targeted at kids are extremely different today than they were back in our day. Like in our day, the line, like take taking G.I. Joe, for example, you had your you had figures, you had vehicles, you had some vehicles came with figure. There was a lot of diversity in the line. It was it was it was fairly easy to replicate what you saw in the cartoon with the toys. Toy lines today for kids don't quite seem to be that way. Kind of. So what's your, what's your kind of like your take on that? Am I off base? Uh, I think there, there's a couple issues there. One is cartoons themselves have changed 
as far as what they are allowed to be in terms of content directed at kids. Uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with, uh, I think it was in the 90s, the early 90s, that uh, there was legislation that basically said uh, for every you know 30 minutes of uh, children's programming, there had to be X number of minutes that were dedicated to educational programming. Uh, and so it, it, you know, there was, there was the wide open, um, regulations of the eighties that really allowed this era of pop culture to thrive where, you know, you, you've seen all the stories about how, Oh, you know, the transformers and GI Joe, they're just 30 se- They're just 30 minute commercials for toys for kids. And it's true. That's what they were. Uh, and the, the adult generations was seeing that as a harmful things. The kids who didn't know any better were just going like, hey, it's just it's a cartoon about robots and I like that. And yeah, yeah. it's working because I do want to buy the toys. <laughs> uh, but you don't see that as a negative or harmful thing. Um, that obviously, you know, legislation comes out, the regulations get pulled and that changes. And now you have to sort of balance your, your what you're directing at kids' time. Uh, now throw the monkey wrench of the internet and YouTube uh, and the fact that you can't even keep kids attention centered in one place anymore it's you know i, I don't even have you know we, we cut the cable a, a while ago as far as regular broadcast tv is concerned you know we all my wife and i watch youtube and netflix and you know uh hulu or whatever else it's like you, there's very little shared common content you know other than the movies so who, who can put the money into actually producing a cartoon to try to specifically sell toys specifically to kids? A lot of this stuff as it exists right now is still targeting the same audience that it used to target. And that's us, the adults now, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's why the eighties just won't go away because <laughs> they're still selling to the same people. Uh, so there, you know, there, there's, there's not a lot of room in the market for other brands to try to pick it up. Uh, because they don't, they're not conducive to that traditional means of action figure playset, you know, vehicle. That just that's not what kids are looking for. And that's not to say that uh, the kids today with their video games. It is to say some of that kids today with their video games. Uh, Minecraft is bigger than GI Joe's ever been, right? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I was hanging out with my nephew the other day. He all he wanted to do was play Fortnite. You know, <laughs> I don't even know what Fortnite is. <laughs> Join the club. Our our so, age is kind of starting to. Exactly. So, so yeah, I think uh, an action figure line with uh, playsets, vehicles, action figures, yeah, it'll sell to me just great. Uh, but I don't know that it's going to hook a ten-year-old anymore. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. Like, but I'll be I, honest, I, I don't know a lot of ten-year-olds. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I have, I have a lot, a big family, and I, I see kids a lot, and it seems like, yeah, they're, they're glued to their phones and they're glued to Minecraft, and uh, yeah, Fortnite. The kids play Fortnite. The adults play PUBG. So just, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a bummer. I, I miss, uh, you know, as a kid getting the toy and not just, uh, you know, having the figure, but then looking on the back of the box and on the back of the box, there was at least in G.I. Joe anyway, there was the whole wave, like a, like a checklist. Like these are all the other figures that you have to go out and buy, too. And, you know, that's smart because that made me want all of them and i tried to get as many as i possibly could but i it made me that much more invested in the world and in the in the figures and the lore and yada yada and i feel like toy lines today uh don't necessarily have that collect i don't know i i pick up i go to walmart or target or whatever and i pick up a figure i look on the back of the box and half the time there is no like other figures on it just it's just like here's your one figure 
Yep, you're totally right, and it's very frustrating. Uh, not not just from a nostalgic you know standpoint, but from a yeah, isn't this the whole point of this? The packaging you're supposed to do that cross sell. You know, you're supposed to show here's all the other stuff you should also buy right. when you pick up this figure. Pick up some of this other stuff too, and you end up with these sort of generic you know card backs and generic packaging that uh, it's you know they. I get the economics of it. You don't want to have to print a French card and a Japanese card and a, you know, all, all, 10 different languages. So you just print the one card with all the languages on it and you can ship that card worldwide and you just cut your, you just saved a lot of money. I get that. But yeah, from the cross sell point of view, it's, it's, uh, it's weird. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, wh- why don't you show more of the, you know, you can pick up whatever Star Wars figure just came out, you know, from Solo or whatever. It's you're exactly right. You're not going to see the rest of the wave on the back. You don't even know what else. How many other figures are even in the line? You don't even know. I also think. Do you think? Do you feel that uh, there's a little bit less variety in the the figure market than there used to be? Like when we were kids, obviously there were all sorts of crazy lines. Like you had Thundercats and Transformers and Visionaries and Silverhawks and all these really wacky concepts. But now it's like if it's not based on an established brand, it doesn't exist. Well, there's certainly some of that. Obviously, there's uh, there's very little risk in established brands. You know, uh, you, you, Hasbro doesn't have to spend a lot of money to to tell you who any of these characters are because they're you know they're also ingrained in uh, mass you know mass market pop culture right now. Uh, but the other thing to keep in mind is that in 1984 and 1985, you're talking about six or seven or eight different toy companies that are all competing in that one market. And at this point, they've all been purchased by Hasbro. Mm-hmm. So Hasbro is not in not Hasbro is not looking to compete with themselves any more than they already are. They've right. already got, although just just yesterday, just today, they uh, they had already uh, purchased the Power Rangers license to make the toys. I just now, saw this, yeah. Now they own the whole brand. So now you've got Power Rangers, Transformers, Star Wars, and Marvel superheroes all in one place. But is there any motivation for them to try to introduce something new? Why? <laughs> you know, getting crowded. Why, why bother? It's basically down to, yeah, it's down to Hasbro with the four biggest brands. Mattel has, you know, DC. Uh, Playmates has got the Ninja Turtles. Uh, and then uh, I'm not sure who's doing like Ben 10 and that sort of stuff. But that's it. There's nothing else out there. You know, you have NECA selling toys to the adult collectors. And I don't know. Hot Wheels is still doing fine, I guess. Do you think that <clears throat> companies like Hasbro are likely to funnel more R&D and product uh, development into sort of a a line aimed more at the adult collector because that's kind of the safer money than like like a new kid's line? Yeah, well, that was sort of the the original intent of their 6-inch Black Series line. Uh, When that was introduced, the whole idea was, you, you know, a $20 price point for an action figure was unheard of. Uh, that was twice the price of, of what you'd expect to be paying for anything. So the, the first wave of Star Wars Black Series figures, I think it was 2013, uh, had four figures in it, and they were $20 each. And that was like a, whew, you know, you can only do this with Star Wars because only Star <laughs> Wars fans are going to be, you know, crazy enough to spend that much money. Now, meanwhile, Hasbro was already doing it with, you know, Marvel Legends, and that price had been creeping up from 15 to 20 uh, but that's just the going rate now. Uh, you know, I if you're if you're a parent with with kids, you know, who are into action figures, you're spending fifteen or twenty bucks minimum. So what is what is an adult collector figure now? Thirty bucks, forty bucks. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Uh, I, I don't 
it's hard to say. Uh, I I don't see Hasbro going even further with that price, but I don't know. I just I just got a, a the the Dubak, which was sixty bucks. You know, so <laughs> uh, kind of kind of in that vein, but not really. What do you how do you feel about some of the like Hasbro, for instance, uh, kickstarting sets and and vehicles? I think the Jabba sail barge was yeah. the one that they 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 got yeah. kickstart now. Speaking personally, like you're Hasbro, why do you need to kickstart this? Either make it or don't. The market's going to be there regardless. It's Star Wars. <laughs> like, well, I feel I it's mean, a little that, weird. It's well, I think it comes back to the economics of it and and the amount of risk that they're willing to take on for a thing. It's uh, I'm sure they've been burned before by fans who are like, "Give us this, give us this, we want this thing," and then they're like, "Oh, okay, let's make the thing," and the fans are like, "Eh, we didn't really want it that bad," you know? They, they, <laughs> they, uh, they or they just didn't know. They didn't really have a, a good way to gauge how many pieces they could realistically move. It, it almost Mattel had their Masters of the Universe uh, classics line that uh, you know it almost it almost tanked at the beginning because. You know, you had a very passionate fan base of He-Man fans who who really wanted a modern line, uh, but Mattel wasn't sold on it yet. So they had to take a lot of risks early on. They they established the subscription service to insulate themselves to protect themselves from taking that risk of making this thing that they really weren't sure they were actually going to be able to sell. And so, yeah, I, I see the the people, you know, the the fans and stuff who are saying, oh, "Hasbro, you're you're a multi billion dollar you know corporation. You 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 should be able to make this thing." And it's like, well. I don't blame them. Whatever you can do from a business standpoint to reduce the amount of risk you have in, in creating a thing, why not throw it out there? They got way... I didn't think there was any way that thing was getting funded. I did not think there were enough people who were going to throw down $500 uh, did, to buy did, that thing. Did and you when see they the got, name Star Wars? <laughs> I, I It's 500 bucks. <laughs> did you see the I name like, Star Wars? I like Star Wars a lot, but not $500 a lot. Uh, that, there was no way I was going in on that. Uh, did, did either of you go in on it? No. no, God, no, no. no. Okay, well... <laughs> I just I, I thought that was pushing it. I thought that was too high a price for that. But hey, yeah, I, I this is the thing. You know, if I had been in the in the in the room, I would have been like, guys, I don't know if this is a good idea. I think uh, you know, I think this the Kickstarter model is the way to go here. That way, you know, there's no risk. You know, you, you you're taking the your whatever time and money you had to put into the R and D side of that, developing it, creating the prototype. Uh, if that's all you spent to find out that that wasn't. A, you're testing two things here. A, is that specific item something that the fans want? And are they willing to pay that much for it? And B, is this a viable way that we can start to, to create a product? And can we take this further? Now, you know, they just did the sale barge. What's next year? What are they going to come up with next year? A quarter of a Death Star? Like, I don't know. He's going to put the flag to shame, man. Yeah, you know, we're going to start doing build a Death Star. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, I don't even want to think about the price. So, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing, and and it's I don't think it's something that they could have even attempted, you know, ten years, five years ago. Uh, I think you know, with Patreon and Kickstarter and crowdfunding and all this stuff, uh, why not? Why not take a crack at it? I'm sure somebody at Hasbro was like, "Let's try this," <laughs> you know, and they said, "Yeah, give it a shot. Why not? What's the worst that could happen?" You know, it's like a spinning off of that, but sort of related. Um, do you have? a favorite hidden gem toy line that is no longer in production that you'd like that you would back via Kickstarter or that you'd like to see return to, to the market. I'm uh, I try to support the independence as much as I can. And there have been several Kickstarters recently that have been focused at uh, either 
carrying on the spirit uh, of a defunct line or actually acquiring a license and trying to bring back that line. Uh, Marauder Task Force is a, a, an independent uh, action figure company that uh, basically does three and three quarter inch, you know, G.I. Joe style figures. They were designed by people that worked at Hasbro uh, and they have uh, an interchangeable um, body system, basically, like where you have like snap on armor pieces and stuff. Uh, so you can change helmets, you can change guns, holsters, all that stuff, and it's and it's carrying on the spirit of GI Joe in a market where GI Joe just isn't existing. There's no vehicles and no playsets or anything, but you can go and order customized figures. They've got you know every uh, the entire range of colors, styles, custom you know different heads and all that stuff. Uh, and then on the other end end of that, you have Zika Toys, who just a few months ago successfully funded a Kickstarter for Sectars. I don't know if you remember that line from, I remember uh, back in the day. I yeah, the bug, the, the bug yep. people, and they had the hand puppet mounts. Yep. Uh, oh, they, yeah. they, they acquired the license uh, and did a Kickstarter, and these are officially licensed Sectars figures. They, nice. they weren't, they're three and three quarter inch action figures, so they're like, you know, modern G.I. Joes. Uh, and, uh, and at this early stage, because they're still just trying to figure this thing out, there's no hand puppet mounts. There's there's the potential to go there at some point, play sets, whatever. But right now it was like, look, let's just see if we can get four figures made. Yeah. And it got funded and we'll see where it goes. I, I supported that. Um, but uh, as far as any specific line, would I love to see Centurions come back? Of course I would. Would I love to see Mask come back? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, they they snuck Matt Tracker into the 25th anniversary uh, G.I. Joe line. And I was beside myself. <laughs> <laughs> like. Matt Tracker is like one of my all-time favorite, you know, like like childhood hero action figures that I was like, I can't believe this thing exists. I can't believe this thing is real. Tiny helmet, you know, race car that turns into a jet or whatever, seatbelt, whatever. <laughs> like I, I could not believe that they had rolled him into 25th anniversary G.I. Joe and that we we're going to see a modern Matt Tracker. It blew me away. So, yeah, I'd love to see Mask. I'd love to see that whole thing come back. Uh, but nothing like there's nothing like super obscure i just i like all all action figures so much that i'm like whatever you put in front of me it's like oh okay i'll take that sure whatever <laughs> it's, fr- it's fresh on my mind because i watched the episode recently on, on toy galaxy of uh I'm, I'm all in on a cops revival uh that was a great toy line and i still have actually like all of my original cops figures and that that line was great those figures were excellent so yeah, someone needs been... to bring that back. That that, <laughs> that, that that line ruled. It was so imaginative. And the revelation that cops existed in the GI Joe world. Did right, it? Right. Yeah. Well, Larry Hama was. Uh, oh, Larry that's Hama right. That's right. That's right. Yep, the yep, cards yep. and stuff. Yeah, yeah that was a yep. tidbit. That was something I didn't know until uh, I did the research, and I found that uh, particularly fascinating. Um, but yeah, it's you know, there's there's always that line of, you know. When when do we let go? When do we just move on and say, <laughs> create some new stuff, please? You know, yeah. like we all right, fine. GI Joe, Transformers, I get it. Star Wars, all right. Where's the new stuff? You know, this. It, it, as much as I love these things, as, as much as I appreciate that they're trying to sell everything to me, I, I do appreciate it. Uh, I also recognize that it's it's harmful to to innovation. It's harmful to creativity. It's harmful to, you know, generations coming up with their own heroes and their own mythology and, and letting that stuff grow and expand. Uh, we're, we're in a cycle now where it's, geez, there's a Star Wars movie coming out every single year and like three Marvel movies every single year for the rest of our lives, you know? <laughs> or until it dips below the profit threshold. <laughs> and where, you know, where's that? I don't know. It's I mean, still going pretty, still going pretty strong. It sure is. <laughs> so, there is some something that kind of bugs me now uh gi joe was drew's favorite toy line growing up transformers was mine 
And having had a, a good number of Transformers and fond memories of them, but now I see these these third-party companies making these freaking incredible new Generation 1 Transformer figures that are exactly how they appeared in the cartoon and on the comics, and they're fully functioning Transformers. Dan, where were these when we were kids? <laughs> because my Ratchet and Ironhide did not look like Ratchet and Ironhide. No, and uh, two. There's two two issues there. One is the if you're familiar with how the and if you're not familiar, please go watch our history of Transformers video. Um, if you if you're not familiar with it, basically what happens is you know uh, Takara in Japan creates Diaclone and Micro uh, Change. They're two different lines of toys. Uh, toy buyer from Hasbro in 1982, 1983 goes to Japan, uh, Jap- Japan Toy Fair, sees these toys licenses the toys to the u.s and then immediately you know puts the art department to work and says let's create a new mythology let's tie all these toys together we need a cartoon we need comic books we need all this stuff so it doesn't matter that the toys necessarily match the animation or the or the character models because the character models were designed after the fact um the toys that exist now are being designed to match the character models uh, so yeah, they're going to look. Ironhide's going to look like Ironhide instead yeah. of whatever that is. You know, <laughs> this weird. Uh, you know, he doesn't even have a face. He doesn't even have a head. <laughs> he was like, he was arms, legs, and yeah. a windshield. Yeah, and then like a airplane. You know, like a little boat that he sat yeah. in. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's and that's sort of the the cause and effect there. Um, now the other side of that is what has happened since then, where Hasbro isn't isn't willing or isn't capable of stopping that where where's the legal line where they as far as i can tell have basically just thrown in the towel and said we're not going to try to stop this anymore yeah it's like i mean they these companies that are making these new versions of figures obviously they don't call them by their names like what's what's clearly starscream they'll label as like star crier or something like that um but just the engineering that goes into them is, is astounding. Oh, it's incredible. And that's, again, I come back to why can't they come up with their own stuff? You know, it, can, can their designs, uh, can their designs maintain the popularity and the sales if it's not leeching off of somebody else's intellectual property? Yeah. Do, do they have the strength to actually create an original IP of their own and make something, or does it all fall apart if if uh, Hasbro finally does say, you know what, stop this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, in some ways, they are kind of getting creative within the IP because I uh, think it was like last week or something. I uh, tagged you in a picture on Twitter that some company made a combiner Dinobots, and oh. they they showed them in the combined form. I was like. This thing is mind-blowing. Where was this when I was a kid? I would have had this thing fighting Predaking all day. On the flag. Oh, sure. On so, the flag. <laughs> so so what has happened? And you know the, what, the you other... just to rub a little salt in it? I would have mounted the Terror Dome on the flag, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's some pretty good uh, Cobra customs of the flag out there. Uh, but uh, what uh, I would say about the third-party thing is this idea that they are pushing Hasbro 
to be more creative, to, to put a little bit more engineering into their stuff. Uh, a lot of what Hasbro has done in the last several years has been influenced, if not straight up stealing from the third party engineers. Uh, and, and you'll see you'll see fans go like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Hasbro stole this uh, elbow design or this joint or this yeah. this transformation from whatever third party. And it's like, no, 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 no. You don't get anything. You don't get to own anything if you based your whole sales of your item off of stealing their, <laughs> their yeah, intellectual it's kinda, property. It's in the first like, place. okay, all right, you'll we we have an unspoken agreement. You're our unofficial R and D and exactly. we'll just you know we'll turn a yeah. blind eye when you're exactly putting out so, the coolest constructicon set ever created. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the third party companies proved that there was a market for a ridiculously huge devastator and then so after three four years of watching all these third-party companies put out huge devastators hasbro took a crack at their own and same with the dinobots the 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 third-party companies have been doing dinobot combiners for two or three years now and so this year hasbro decided "Eh, we're going to put out our own now uh and you can go by grimlock and snarl and slag and sludge and and combine them all as official you know hasbro dinobots now wow and I think that was the picture you you tagged me in. That's was actually was actually the official Hasbro one. That's pretty incredible. What um what was your favorite toy line as a kid? What's what's the one that still holds that top slot in your heart? Uh, I would say my my favorite figure of all time is vintage Boba Fett, just three and three quarter inch Boba <laughs> Fett, classic one. Just that's if you spend any time with Toy Galaxy, that's no secret. Oh, the Boba um, set is an <laughs> epic delight to behold. <laughs> And uh, as far as favorite line is concerned, I, I really loved Mask as a kid. Uh, it, it, it hit a lot of the things. I mean, G.I. Joe, it's, I don't know. I loved them all. Like, G.I. Joe was probably number one. Uh, Mask is like 1A. Uh, G.I. Joe, there was just so much more stuff, more vehicles, more play sets, more figures. Uh, and it was just such a, a great, diverse, you know, all kinds of weapons, all kinds of characters, all kinds of, you know, helmets and guns and backpacks and shields and stuff and ninjas and soldiers and pilots and you know, it just it hit everything. Um I, yeah, so I would probably say G.I. Joe one, mask one A, and then everything else is tied for number two. And what's your current of the current toy lines out? What's your current favorite? Yeah, I really I I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, most of what I buy is is you know Hasbro Black Series and Hasbro Marvel Legends. Uh, I've just you know I've always been a Star Wars fan. I've always been a Marvel fan. Uh, that's not to say that I don't love DC. Uh, I just don't particularly care for what Mattel is doing with a lot of the stuff right now. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the current uh, you know films within the DC extended universe. Um, you know, so I'm not going to love toys that are being made, you know, uh, out of those versions of those characters. Um, but I, but I bounce around, you know, whatever catches my eye. Uh, but yeah, I would say like 80% of what I buy right now is Marvel legends and black series. The, um, the Aquaman video, the recent one you did was freaking hysterical. The whole, the whole <laughs> philosophy you. of the video of why do I own multiple Aquaman? <laughs> Hey man, the guy got a bad rap for so long, and you know it's like it, it's like Rob Liefeld. At a certain point, you just got to say, "Hey, you know what? It's enough is enough." Like, <laughs> it, there's a reason there's some longevity there, and yeah, we can all make jokes, but you know, Aquaman's been around a lot longer than all of us, and he's going to be around long after we're gone. So, 
It's like that famous line from Wayne's World. I don't own a gun, let alone yes. any guns to necessitate <laughs> a gun rack. An aqua rack? An aqua yeah, rack. Very nice. There you go. Very nice. Well, Dan, you've been incredibly generous with your time. We can't thank you enough. Please, by all means, tell our listeners where they can find you in the multimedia verse, where they can find Toy Galaxy. Please uh, hawk your wares, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, YouTube.com slash TV. That is uh, three years running. We just, in April, passed three years. Uh, we just recently passed, I think, 56,000 subscribers. So that was pretty neat. Um, and uh, we've got like over 450. It's probably like 460 videos. So plenty of time that you can spend catching up on videos. Uh, I'm on Instagram. That's that's my primary social media, at ToyGalaxy. Uh, but then uh, I am also on uh, Twitter, Toy Galaxy Dan. Uh, and then I think producer Greg's Twitter is Toy Galaxy TV. Uh, follow us both over there. We're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Toy Galaxy TV, I think. Uh, but uh, I don't log in there as much as I used to. Uh, I'm not really in love with Facebook right now. Uh, so Instagram and uh, YouTube are the best places to go. Oh, and of course, we're on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Toy Galaxy. All righty. Sir, thank you again for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And you you have an open invitation to return anytime. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Uh, once again, thank you very much to Mr. Dan Larson of Toy Galaxy for giving us the time, not only in this episode and our Infinity Wars episode coming up. Um, great, great interview. Great guy to talk to. Please, by all means, go and check out his YouTube channel. They do really good work and i don't say that lightly this guy and his his producer uh put a lot of work into these videos and the quality is there uh yeah his channel is great so even if you have a if, you, if you're into our show the odds are you're going to be very much the demographic for for toy galaxy yeah so dive in and have a good time yeah check him out um give him a follow support their channel and support us how do we do that, Carl? Well, I'm glad you asked. You can find us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. You can go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Do Podcast.com. Drew, anything to, uh, to add? Um,. No, I think uh, I, th- I, th- I think I'm ready to uh, parlay us over to uh, a, a, a very big episode that I'm psyched to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, stay tuned, kitties. Folks, we'll see you in a couple days when we go into Infinity Wars. Cool to hear.